This is the Horse Radio Network. Would you take an exotic vacation with strangers who also love horses? We're talking to an influencer who founded a niche equestrian travel business. This week, we'll talk about the ethical issues surrounding the new safe sport texting guidelines. And is it cruel to ride your horse in the heat? Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 50 of Heels Down Happy Hour. 50, 50. Ep- episodes, yeah. I can't believe what anniversary it's been that is long. it? Is this one the silver one? I don't remember. So Jess, I mean, that's like two plus years. I mean, Hudson wasn't even like alive yet. I <laughs> when know. We, <laughs> we announced that I was having him on one of the episodes. So it's been forever. I know. Isn't it crazy? We've had a lot of fun though, right? Oh, it's it's been, been a lot of fun. Yeah. Lots of good drinks. Lots of good drinks. Absolutely. It's been a ball, but we've met so many listeners over the years. Um, our Facebook group has turned into something that's like so fun. I check it every day. Shout out. Just, someone came up to me at Brownlin and said they love the podcast. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it was so much fun. So thank so. you guys for listening to us for 50 episodes. Hopefully that means there'll be 50 more. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Wall. If you guys haven't checked out the Creativa, they're the next generation in five and one clippers. They actually let you change the blade easily from a number nine, a number 10, a number 15, a number 30, and a number 40. So you can do anything from body clipping to trimming the nose to almost like during like, you know, if you had to clean up a cut or whatever else. So they are some of the best clippers. Have you guys tried them? Because they're cordless as well. I love the wall cordless clippers. You don't get any better than that. They're just so handy and easy to have around the barn. No. So we absolutely love our wall clippers. We have several different pairs, but you guys need to check out the Creativa ones. Our drink this week, wine slushies, which sounds like my dream as a child, but now it's with wine. So this one's (laughs) for mango. Frosé. It's frosé. Oh, frosé. Okay. There are three recipes in the link, but this one's just for mango. So you take 1.5 ounces of mango real infused syrup, four ounces of Chandon Rosé, and three-fourths cup of ice. Combine them all in a blender, just like you're making a regular slushy, and turn it on high until it's smooth. And you serve 12 ounces in a pool cup, and you can garnish with a chopped mango. Sounds so good. I'm totally down for these. Yeah. Okay. So like I looked at all of the recipes and I want every single one. There's a tropical white wine slushy. There's a frozen berry Bellini recipe. And then there's this mango frosé. I don't know. I've really gotten into rosé lately. Maybe it's just my basic coming out, but it's just hot and it's wonderful. And now you can add it to fruity things. And I just, I doesn't get better than that. It's a game changer for you. (laughs) yes i wonder if they could like do these in like gas stations you know just like regular slushies and they'll also have wine slushies get a liquor license for it that'd be awesome (laughs) that would be awesome and if they could do it so my horse show circuit the one i go to that does like the rated and the schooling shows around here that's really nice they just opened a little horse trailer like booze cart it's like a oh, old horse I mean, trailer, like ones that we've shared in the yeah. Facebook group, you know, it's really cute. And so they open it like later in the day and then it's always open for the Grand Prix that night and they do all kinds of drinks, but this would be amazing because they do like a, this. they do like a summer a circuit and they do like, you know, like the Grand Prix under the lights thing. Uh, and yeah, I would love to have a wine slushy and watch the Grand Prix. Cause that just sounds amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know about you guys for news, but I've got like a good kind of uplifting story, but also just kind of poor kid. So amateur jockey, Antonia Peck, she's 19 and she had a real rough time on the eve of the most recent race in the Fengeti or Fengetri World Championship Series. So she was flying to Germany to compete and was hit with plane delays, a missed connection flight which got her to her destination, but not her luggage or her saddle. 
<laughs> so luckily her fellow competitors let her borrow literally everything saddle helmet britches and she actually ended up winning the race which put wow. her yeah and now she's in the current like third place slot on the women's leaderboard so i'm sure her competitors are like darn you know i gave her my lucky britches but that's just such a cool story you know i love seeing other people helping each other out you know yeah that what a feel awesome. good story yeah, yeah. That- that she won after all that too, right? You know? Yeah, and she did end up making like one comment. She was like, it was so nice, she said, but it was awful not to ride in my own saddle. <laughs> like, we've all been there. It's just so weird. What about you guys, Jess? So I have one just to kind of everybody, it's like been like an uproar lately that I don't know if you guys saw the whole new safe sport practices for trainers and adults that like can't actually communicate with minors. And I actually, I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts, but I think it's actually a good thing. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but the USEF is basically, for people that didn't know, has announced that they're doing additional policies that they're adding to the safe sport practices. And this one is that they're going to have to, any adult is going to have to, if they're texting or social media, that they have to include somebody else in the conversation. So basically, they just want to make sure you're not having private conversations that can lead inappropriately, you know, with, it's not just obviously in the equestrian world with whole gymnastics thing and everything, but I don't think it's that big of a deal that people that aren't 18 shouldn't communicate. So like if it was Doug or myself, like communicating with a minor, just add the, you know, add the other person involved or add the parent or whoever. Not that we deal a lot with minors anyways, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have it because there are kind of creeps out there and it protects our children. And I think that's the biggest thing. So I think there's a lot of people freaked out, but they don't, I I think there was one thing I saw on Facebook that everybody's like, you know, if you're under, if you're a minor, go ahead and delete me as a friend. Like they don't have to do that. It's just in one-on-one conversations, they have to include it. Yeah, I totally agree. So it's been all over Facebook this week of people just like totally losing their minds over this. And, and I understand it's inconvenient. Okay. Yes. It, it, you know, if you have a really though, I know, but people are, you know, if you have a, if you're a trainer and you got a bunch of high school kids that you're taking to horse shows every month, you know, and you're used to texting them. When I think about me when I was a teenager, okay, I lived at the barn, right? Yeah. I was there all the time. But I was, you know, at, at that time, I didn't have, growing up, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a, my trainer didn't text me. She called no. my parents who made the financial decisions and my parents dropped me off. You know what I mean? So exactly. I just... I don't understand the yeah this whole mentality of like how this is really going to disrupt any any trainer's life or business just cease yeah add the parent add the mom to your conversation um, well, and how uh, many add- texts do you have anyways? Like just add another person. So if you're sending it to, you know, it might make your life easier. You could send four kids the schedule, include it all in one text and include their parents and be done. And, and, and you can, you know, especially I don't, I'm not very good about other phones, but like on our iPhone, on our iPhones, if you're doing with other iMessages, we rename the groups. So like everybody in mm-hmm. the group, like we have like a funny name for it. So it's super easy to find that text. And one says kids on it. And funny enough, none of them are actually kids, but it's like a smiley face and it's a bunch of the kids that work for us, but they're all over 18, thankfully. But, you know, they send funny text messages and stuff like that. And it's so easy to, it's not inappropriate. It's nothing, but it would not be hard to do that. Well, and and I, I, go ahead, Jess. Well, so the Chronicle of the Horse had a really interesting Q&A with USF's legal counsel, Sanja Keating, if you guys haven't read that. And I think it really drills down to the point of why this is happening. You know, yeah. like, like obviously there's a greater issue of, of why this is happening now and today and why the USCF is complying with safe sport. And at the end of the day, it's all common sense tactics that any professional should be using when they're working with minors in the first place. Right. And it's to safeguard children who have an interest in being an athlete and whose coach, whose coach's only role should be to help them reach those goals. So at the end of the day, it's, it's to protect children. It's to protect those families and it's to keep sports safe for families. So I just don't understand why everyone's, you know, 
in this uproar of like how ridiculous this is because at the end of the day like these are these guidelines are set in place for a reason and you don't you know we're lucky in horse sports that we haven't had the terrible stories that you've heard this year like what's happened in gymnastics right you know but that very easily could happen in this sport too so that's i mean that's my two cents but ellie what what do you have to say well so my thing is I have two opinions. The first being like what Jess was saying, I think it would be more beneficial, right? Because how many times do parents not communicate with their kids and then come up and ask the trainers like, Oh, what time is my kid showing? Like, right. you know, that just so much easier. Oh, everybody has the list. You know, it's just like, then you're not answering the same question a million times from like eight different parents. But then my other opinion is like, I mean, teachers like school teachers are not allowed to be friends or you know communicate with their students and I don't know why it would should be any different for someone in a coaching position you know like obviously there's more communication with texting but I don't know why there shouldn't be these rules in place just as a safety precaution you know exactly I think that's a great point totally great point School teachers can't do it. Why? Why do trainers feel like they're entitled to? Yeah, right. Because they're in the same deal. position. You yeah, know? I mean you're teaching the children same thing. So, Justine, what do you have? You have something totally different. All right, guys. So I have a really interesting sciencey, almost like science fictiony type news item. But the Kentucky Equine Drug Research Council has voted to allocate some funding towards research into biological passports. Um, which is a little bit different than what you think of when you think about a passport, right? So it has to do with actual um, samples that they're going to take from horses. So biological passports track the responses of proteins and biomarkers in the administration of drugs when they're, when they're given to a horse. And so they want to take this information and data that they're using on racing thoroughbreds, actually, and just kind of track it over time and create a biobank which they'll kind of use to store all this data, which I think is really interesting. It's pretty early on to to figure out what that would look like or what kind of program that could create, you know, in terms of registering horses and tracking their information over time. But it, it's just one way that they can use technology to just kind of look at how horses change over time, right? Because they would be taking samples from horses over time, and looking at, you know, drugs and just general proteins within their blood cells, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I think it's actually going to be pretty interesting. I mean, we're a ways away from like actually anything really happening, but it could be something that we end up using the data and all that for competition horses, because, you know, once you kind of learn more about the anatomy, I mean, that's how you could get something as well as like, you know, for injuries and in horses and like getting them back quicker or whatever else, understanding the body a bit more. So it could develop into something that we end up using long-term with a lot of our horses. So we'll have to stay tuned because that sounds really interesting. It is. And it's funny. I feel like thoroughbreds have become the lab rats of, yeah. you know, the equestrian world because <laughs> they use thoroughbreds to like map their genome. You know what I mean? To like look into gene editing. So, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Absolutely. So if you guys want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Brief, which is Heels Down Mag's daily weekday email newsletter. And starting June 10th, so next week, we're going to have a special week with Elise, Elise Jordan Gunderson. If you guys remember, Elise, we had her on the podcast a couple episodes ago. She's a Grand Prix dressage trainer from Wellington who works with show jumpers. So she actually works with Kent Farrington in training some of his students and ride some of his show jumping horses and she's going to be answering questions every day in the brief that relate to flat work and why flat work is so important to improve your jumping i so can't if, wait to hear what she has to say because she I is know. so much fun to talk to so i'm really looking forward to that week me too so if you guys have a question that you would love for alas to answer or even for us to find the answer for you you should send us your question to hello at heelsdownmedia.com and we will feature your question and some of the answers we find in the brief. So you should subscribe if you're not already at bit.ly slash HD brief. So in this hot weather, I cannot live without these new show shirts that I found. They're the Smart Pack Hadley show shirt. Have you guys seen them? I have. 
Oh my oh. god, I love I love the color and their detail in their collars. I love mine's like a pinkish blue that I got. It's so so pretty, and so I love it because it looks like nice. A lot of like the other shirts, like they kind of get like wrinkled in time, but the collar stands out so well, like just the firm and stiffness of it without being rough. You know what I mean? Like, so Mm -hmm. it looks really good under like your show jackets and stuff. But then when you're walking around, I love like, you know, the color and everything else. And it's actually so breathable. I loved it during the middle of the heat and it's got those little mesh down, you know, the arms. So it's kind of nice. So it's lovely, but I'm not going to lie. I also have played golf in it and it is so nice in this weather. So when it's hot, so I love this, like put it with a golf skirt, like black one. It looks so good. So I'm multi-using this shirt and I love it. That's interesting. That's awesome. So it, it functions as like a everyday sun shirt, but it's fancy enough to use in the show ring. Pretty much. So it's with the collar and everything else, you like it snaps. And so you don't have to like have anything. It just snaps over and then your jacket goes right on top. It looks really, really nice. That's awesome. How's the sizing? Like you feel like it's pretty true to it's size. It's pretty true to size. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I awesome. love shirts that double. Like, so when you wear it for golf, like, do you use like the pretty collar as like a little pop yeah. of color? Yeah. And, and then I actually like, I'll put, um, cause it's so hot. Like I don't have to have the sleeves down. I'll pull the sleeves up. And so you can see like on my forearm, like the, the color as well. Cause it's on your cuff as well. Oh, that's right. So it's on my collar and on the cuff, but I pull it up so you can see it. And it's so nice. See, I love things where I'm like, I could go out to the grocery store after this yeah. and not look like. You don't look like, yeah, it doesn't look like you went there. So I literally could go put on shorts and then walk around because I am like the queen at horse shows. I can change out of my riding clothes so fast. And it's easy to leave this shirt on with a cute pair of shorts and same thing, like I wear it all day. That's awesome. So I'm really excited to introduce our guest on the show this week. Jennifer Sims is better known probably on Instagram as Styled Equestrian. She's been an equestrian lifestyle blogger on Instagram for about five years. And a year and a half ago, she started a riding holiday business called Ek Globetrotter, where she hosts groups of riders from all around the world for a variety of disciplines, including cross-country jumping, polo, dressage, and trail riding adventures. So Jennifer, thank you for joining us on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. So I I know Patricia wrote a story about you on hillsdownmedia.com, and I was just fascinated about how you started your business on Instagram, but also how you transitioned it. So I would love for you to just explain about why you got into um, Instagram, you know, from a fashion perspective, right? You started with fashion and how you kind of got into travel. Excellent. Yeah, I did. Thank you. You know, I've always liked fashion and I like to put together cute riding outfits. And at that time I was competing in show jumping and training six days a week. And so I had lots of opportunities to put together riding outfits. And one of my friends at my barn said, Jennifer, you know, you really should start an Instagram account about all of your riding outfits. And I was like, is that a thing? Are people into that? And she's like, oh yeah, definitely. Like it's riding outfit of the day. It's a whole thing, equestrian style. You should just do it. And so I thought, well, why not? And so I made an account, Styled Equestrian, and I started posting my daily riding outfits and pictures from my horse shows and tagging the brands in them. And next thing I knew, the brands that I was tagging started reposting my pictures and then messaging me and asking me if they could send me, you know, a T-shirt or a belt to put on my Instagram. And it just went from there. Yeah, but this was, you know, this was five years ago. This was before... Um, all the algorithms were in place. So it happened organically. And it really was fascinating for me, having never really been on Instagram, to see how quickly it could grow. It was really exciting. <laughs> wow. And so over time, was it the algorithm that kind of changed the way you operated on Instagram then? Like you, it just became too crowded or harder to reach people or... No, what happened was I, you know, I, I did the show jumping on my horse for about four years. And then it was kind of, he was getting burnt out and I was getting a little bit burnt out as well. And so I retired him and then I went on my first riding holiday to Mexico and I fell in love with just galloping through these fields and just being out of the arena and in a completely different environment. And I thought, you know what, I think this is what I want to do. And so it just happened at the same time. So I started posting pictures from my Mexican holiday 
And, uh, and it just went from there. And then I booked another riding holiday. And because I had so many followers on Instagram, it was an easy transition to start bringing those follow- followers over to, uh, you know, checking out riding holidays and all these different destinations and thinking outside of the box and outside of the arena. And I still incorporated the style, like I would dress up in cute riding outfits on the trip. But it gave me a lot of different content as well, because it's like not only am I posting my everyday pictures at the barn, but here I am wearing a cowboy hat galloping through Mexico. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me, what is it like about like creating these cool experiences? What made because you you started inviting people to sign up and go on these trips, right? So how how did that work? I I imagine you had these followers who kind of got to know you on Instagram. And then what um, how did you. I don't want to say you talk people into going on trips with you, but how did you kind of get that interest and what were people looking for that they thought these trips would be a really cool experience? (laughs) You know, they actually talked me into it. When I started posting these pictures, (laughs) I I started getting messages from my followers who were saying, oh, wow, when are you going to go on your next trip? Can I join you? And I thought, oh, I'm on to something here. (laughs) Maybe I should start inviting them. And so I did. And the very first trip that I advertised was a trip to Ireland at Cross Oak, which was a place that I had already been to once before. And I put it out there that I was willing to take a group with me. I put the dates that I was going to be there. And I sold out to 13 riders in less than three days, I think. Wow. wow. So how do people sign up for these trips? Do they know each other before they go? Most of them don't know each other. I mean, I've had, you know, some friends will bring, oh, I've got a friend that I ride with. I'm going to bring her. But for the most part, a lot of them come as just solo riders and they all meet on my trip and become best friends. And and then they come back again. (laughs) That's so cool. So where have you been on all these different trips? I want to hear about where these trips have taken you with all these people. (laughs) Most often I go to uh, Ireland. I go there twice a year. I go there every spring and every fall to the same place, to Cross Oak. I also go to Portugal once a year. That's the dressage holiday. I've been to Argentina, South Africa, France, Mexico, uh, two different places in Colorado. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, No, I I think that's about it. And then I'm going to go to Mongolia at the end of the summer. So how do you pick the trips that you go on? Are you crowdsourcing like people who you think will want to go, uh, go to those places or are you selecting trips that you just think are interesting and then people kind of come along for the ride? You know, uh, so far I've just been picking trips that I'm really excited about and I go on it first by myself to check it out and make sure that it's something that I think I can market to my followers and you know, make sure that the horses are happy and well cared for and that, you know, the accommodations are, are comfortable and everything. Uh, and then I come home and I put together a package and I, I pitch it to my followers and they start signing up. Um, wow. you know, and I wish that I had more time to go on more trips. I, I would love to do this full time, uh, and live completely a nomadic lifestyle <laughs> because there's so many places I want to go. <laughs> so you said this summer you're going to Mong- Mongolia. So what are you doing in Mongolia? I am riding in my very first endurance race, the Gobi Desert Cup. And it's a 480-kilometer endurance race over six days on semi-wild Mongolian horses. And I put together a team of four riders called the Globetrotter team. And uh, the other three riders that are on the team with me, I know one of them is the guide that I work with in South Africa. And then um, the other is a woman named Alex that I've been riding with here in Washington. And then my friend Courtney, who lives in Portland, but she had joined me on my Ireland trip last year in October. And I wanted to join me for this trip. So I'm really excited. It's a little bit out of my comfort zone. It's definitely the wildest thing I've signed up for, but I'm really, really excited. Awesome. So Jennifer, if someone wanted to learn more, where where should they go? Uh, Should they just follow Styled Equestrian or uh, do you have more information on another website? You know, right now, um, following Styled Equestrian is the best way. I also have an Instagram account uh, for X Globetrotter. but I've been focusing more on style the question because that's where the majority of my followers are. So my trips get the most exposure on that account. I um, am almost finished with my website, which is xglobetrotter.com. It's not live yet, but I'd say I'm about maybe two or three weeks away from launching that. And that way everything will be in one place. It'll have my itinerary for the next year and a half and people can just sign up through there. That sounds great. So Jennifer, I've looked at obviously 
both of your Instagram accounts and the photos are like amazing of like you guys, you have to imagine being on horseback and like looking at giraffes, like on the safari. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. So if you oh. have, <laughs> if you're interested, you should really follow Styled Equestrian and Jennifer, we really appreciate coming on the show and talking about your, your whole business and how you got to this point. It's, it's super cool. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. It's it's really awesome to see how everyone has has taken to it. I mean, when I started, when I retired my horse and started changing the the path of my Instagram, I have to say I was scared that I was going to lose all my followers because <laughs> I wasn't posting show jumping pictures every day. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so <wow>. I'm relieved. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm relieved to know that that uh, the people still follow me. <laughs> so cool! Wow. Well, thanks again, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Whether you need a water solution for one horse in the stall, two in the backyard, or 40 head in the pasture, the Classic Equine by Ritchie line of waterers provide trouble-free, worry-free access to water on demand. Visit ClassicEquineByRitchie.com for more information. Ritchie, fresh water for life. So, guys, it's really hot right now. I feel like it's hot everywhere, not just here in Florida, but Jess, I know you're struggling with the heat. No, no, Doug is in Bromont and it's freezing cold. Okay, well, he doesn't count, but he, he, <laughs> he, he would prefer the heat right now because he is currently, it, I don't know if he's surviving basically, because wow. he said it was on Monday, the high was 45 and he was outside teaching and he was like, how do people live here? I can't be here any longer. I wow. was like, hun, you just got there an hour ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. See, 45 sounds amazing to me because it has been, we've no. been, uh, the South has just been experiencing this insane heat wave. Like it has been, it's like August weather now at, at the end of May and early June, which is pretty extreme. Oh, our barn started at 445 this morning because they, everybody wanted to get done with the heat so fast. Well, and so that's what I, what I want to talk to both of you about. Like as we edge into summer, as we know, the hot weather is coming and especially after watching, you know, the issues that happened at WEG last year, you know, try on, they had, it was pretty hot. It was what, September, we don't really need to rehash what happened with the endurance horses, but it was hot, you know, show yeah. jumpers, dressage riders, everybody complained about the heat and the humidity. So, which kind of begs the question, is it cruel to ride our horses and, you know, in the intense heat or, and I'm just curious about what your guys's protocols are. How do you, you know, how do you keep your horses safe and comfortable in the heat, but also keep riding and keep them fit, especially if your show season's still going on. So Jess, why don't we start with you? I know it's pretty hot in Aiken right now. So yeah, it's hot. And I mean, we were, when it's daylight, like we're trying to be on the horse, the first one, first daylight before daylight, honestly, so that uh -huh. we can beat the heat because we try to get done by 11 or 12 because then it is bearable. I mean, it is hot at two or three o'clock and it is miserable and the horses don't want to be outside. They don't want to be ridden. They don't want to be anything. So they go in their stalls with fans and it really is doable. Like it's not bad in the morning. It's nice, you know, like it's even when it's a hundred degrees, like you can get done and we do our big horses first so that like they're getting done the longest, obviously. And like the babies, they only need 15, 20 minutes on some certain hot days. Like they're fine to not, you know, just do a little bit of flat work or mm -hmm. they'll go for like a little canter set or something. So we do obviously the ones that are going to produce the most sweat or have problems like not sweating or whatever, they get done early. And then also like the four-year-olds, like if it's super hot and things took longer than we thought, like they can have a day off. You know what I mean? Like we'll just do them early the next day. So that's kind of how we prioritize them in the summertime so that we make sure everybody's still getting done five days a week. But, well, the big guys have to get done big, more than that. But, you know, the babies are fine to get done five days a week. So that's kind of how we do it. And then after we're done riding they obviously get a bath every day like either washed off or shampooed bidding on what they need and then they sit in front of a fan and then they all have fans in their stalls there's so much good ventilation in the barn so they're actually really comfortable in the stalls and they're out of the heat and out of the sun and then the biggest key for us is they get fed a little later so it's not as hot but then they don't get turned out till like eight or nine o'clock 
Interesting. Well, and also the summer season is sort of your quieter season. You guys aren't traveling as yeah. much. Yes and no, but yes. Yeah. For the most part, we're not, we don't travel a lot during the winter season, but we have so many shows in Aiken. So it's kind of, we travel further in the summer season because we're having to drive to the shows that are a bit more North. Got it. Okay. Um, but that's interesting that you turn out late. Um, yeah, that's smart. That's a good tip. Cause then they can still go out in their cool coats. Cause a lot of them don't like the, bo- the bugs and everything else. So they can still right. go out in the cool coats. They can still have their fly mask. And I mean, you couldn't turn them out at five or six o'clock in those cool coats. I mean, they would roast. And so, um, we wait till like eight or nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ellie? Well, Jess actually hit it right on the head. Um, I do the same thing with the turnout. Um, especially since, um, I've got a black horse, right? So I try to not put him out during the sun. Um, so that way, you know, he's not as sun bleached, although that isn't, you know, one of my biggest problems, but I do like it when he stays nice and dark and black, but I've got actually, my boyfriend's horse is allergic to fly saliva. So when the heat comes, it's a really touchy with him. Cause he can't be out during like dawn and dusk when the bugs are at their worst because he'll make his entire stomach raw. It's like he gets Swedish. So he kind of dictates the whole pasture um, because my guys are kind of like, well, if you bring him in, you should just bring us all in. And I'm like, all right, well, that's what I'll do. Um, So yeah, I do the same thing as Jess, you know, and I think in a lot of big operations, like for raining training down South, I know do the same thing. You know, they get up before sunup, you know, when it's only like 70 something. So they're not riding in the sun when it's a hundred degrees, you know, and my mom grew up in Texas, in Houston. So when she was riding, it was different. And I think it comes down to like what, where you're from and what your horse is accustomed to. So obviously Justine, like your horse would be a lot more accustomed to the heat, even without the sweating, you know, than my horse would be because he's from Canada and it's never, you know, that hot, you know, so he struggles and he sweats a lot and he, you know, has trouble breathing when it's really hot. So for me too, like I have multiple sclerosis um, so when it's really hot, I lose sight in my right eye. So I don't really like riding half blind. Oh, just no. a personal preference. Holy. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, like it, I like riding. I'm more of a night person. So I'll ride, you know, 10, 11. And then, you know, they'll go out and I'll bring them in at like six o'clock and they'll be in with fans and it helps with the bugs and stuff. And I actually, I'll share with you guys my secret concoction that I swear by when it's hot. So like my horses, if they're like, if it's like unbearable, you know, I'll make a little bucket and I'll put 10 parts water, two parts of that absorbing like refreshment stuff with the spearmint concentrate. Okay. And one part rubbing alcohol and one part witch hazel. And I'll like, you know, mix it up a little bit with a sponge and I'll put that on them just like on their chest and like, you know, behind their elbows and stuff. Um, and between their butt cheeks. And that, like, brings their temperature down, you know, dramatically, especially since they're, you know, got their 18-inch fans blowing on them. But that, I swear by, and I do it on myself, too, when it's hot, you know, it shows and stuff. So I think it just comes down to, like, you know, what your horse is accustomed to. And so what what do you do, Justine? Because I know, like, on top of being in the heat in Florida, you also have a horse that struggles to sweat sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's just generally a nightmare, not gonna lie. And it's been hot since April here, you know, like I went to a horse show and in April and it at a beautiful showgrounds, but it had just no, no shade cover, like no trees, no nothing to get a break from the heat. And it was just freaking hot, you know, and so I decided to only show one day, just because it's just not worth it to me to like burn out my horse who already, you know, when you stress the system, it just makes them worse. Right. So, so obviously we don't show in the summer. There was a horse show this past weekend that I thought about and my friends were like, Oh, you should go. And I'm just like, it's not worth it. Right. For me, like I'm not, I'm not going to spend money to stress my horse out. So that's the first thing that changes for me is that I just immediately slow down. Like the summer is our hibernation period, but I just watch him, you know, like his, his protocol changes over in the summer where he's, we're getting, He's getting, you know, non-sweat supplements. He's on electrolytes. So he's getting more salt in his system. We make sure his food is real soupy and wet so to encourage him to drink more. And I'm real lucky that he's a good drink. 
no matter what. But um, so far, so good. Fingers crossed. He's been sweating really great. We have a vet that we go to for acupuncture treatments that kind of keeps him feeling good. So, so, so far, like, I really can't complain. He's, he's really standing up to the heat so far this year pretty well. But I, I just know that it's not worth pushing him, right? When he gets really hot, I'm lucky that I'm in a full board situation where people pull him out at three o'clock in the afternoon and give him a shower. You know, even if he's just standing in a stall, just to, you know, give him a break, like cool him down, put him back in a stall under the fan after a shower. But I'm also smart about it, right? I'm not going to go ride my horse at three o'clock in the afternoon when it's the hottest part of the day. Like you said, Jess, I'm going to try to ride first thing in the morning or like as the sun is setting in the evening because it's just not fair to him. And I know people who show who show all through the summer in Florida, you know, like we have a circuits that that start in June and go all the way through September, which um, that's great if you can do that, I guess. But I, you know, now that I'm older, you know, I used to do that when I think about like growing up riding in Florida, like we used to always just ride straight through the summer, through the summer, like it was no big deal. But now I guess now that I have a horse that has a problem, I just, it's just totally changed my mindset where it's just not worth it to me. Like, even if my horse, even if I had a horse that sweat fine, I don't think I would show through the summer. I just don't think it's fair. So I just think you gotta, you gotta know your animal. You gotta know what your priorities are and go from there. So, um, but I don't really have any good tricks, you know, to share. I just try to keep my horse cool. I hose him a lot. He's got two big fans on him through the summer. He's getting non-sweat supplements. He's getting electrolytes. Uh, he's turned out at night. And just like you said, we we kind of ease our feeding schedule later and later through the summer. So they're eating later, which means they're getting turned out later. So they're not roasting in the sun at four or five o'clock. And then we just manage it as best as we can because it's hot all the way through halfway through October for us, you know, like the heat is, is here for a long time. So that's pretty much it. So it's time for Rose and Thorn. Who wants to go first? I, can't. I can go first. Okay, go for it. So my Rose is definitely that I get to go see my brother in California this week. So we are headed out to California for like a week my dad and Doug are going to some convention south of LA for like a day. So we're there, but then we are going up to visit my brother in Paso Robles. So I'm really, really excited because he's only seen Hudson like once or twice and I haven't gotten to see him a bunch. So I'm really excited to spend time with him. Aww. And then, yeah. And my sister's coming. One of my sisters is coming as well. So it'll be a lot of family time, which will be fun. And then my rose is that I had to, Nolan came to Brownland with us and everything, my little chihuahua, but to take Aww. her and fly her all the way to California and we're traveling a bunch while we're there, I had to take her home. So Courtney had to take her back to uh, Aiken. So she's, I don't have Nolan for like a week and a half. So that's kind of sad. She didn't get to come on the trip. I saw, I saw Courtney post a picture of her. She's so cute. She yeah. took her to, oh my gosh, she took her. Nolan is so happy to like ride in the truck with Courtney, but they were driving home and she sends me this picture because she stopped. Like we have the best barbecue in Nashville that I'm like obsessed with it. Barbecue nachos are, that should have been my rose. Honestly, they were so good. I (laughs) ate them like four times last week. It's really bad, but Courtney took some home to her mom. And so she met her mom and on the way home, and they're at this Mexican restaurant and she called ahead of time. She's like, oh, I'll just get you food so you can sit with us. And she's like, oh, you know, it's fine. Um, I've got Nolan. She's like, oh, we already asked the restaurant. You can bring her in. So they sat out on the patio and while Courtney ate, Nolan talked to everybody at the Mexican restaurant. Everybody <laughs> came outside to say hello to Nolan. Oh, so she's like, she, this is great. Oh, she loves going to restaurants. She sat in her own chair and had food. <laughs> That's so cute. Oh, my goodness. Yes, this is a bit ridiculous, but I'm sad that she doesn't get to come with us. Ellie, what do you have? Well, so my rose is kind of weird. Okay, so I was on my way to um, the Ohio, like Cincinnati airport um, to go to a horse show this weekend. And like there was really bad weather in Detroit and I was doing a connection. So like all the planes were kind of like grounded and these people were like so mad and stuff, right? Um, cause people go crazy when planes are delayed and I understand cause like I missed my connection too, you know, but so on my plane, I actually sat next to this really nice pilot who used to be in forestry and we ended up talking for like 
you know, three and a half, four hours. Um, and having this like great conversation about like ecosystems and like land management and stuff. And it sounds totally nerdy and I'm really sorry for that, but it was just definitely like one of those like conversations that like restore your faith in humanity, you know, there were like all these people being so cranky and upset and, you know, and he said, we as pilots, you know, have a saying that we'd much rather be down here wishing we were up there than up there wishing we were down here. And I was like, that is a very good point because I would not like to be in a thunderstorm in the sky. So anyway, that was my rose because like that just was really exciting for me. And then my thorn is that my mom and I, we shared this like mango, like I want to say it was a margarita thing. And it was really good, right? But then when we got to the hotel, it started to hit us and we got a little tipsy, you know, and then we go to like get back in our, you know, go to our room and there were blood on the sheets of our hotel room. So yeah, it was so gross. And like, so we were like immediately like take the sheets off. Right. And it was like soaked into like the mattress pad and stuff. Oh no. Yeah. So we were like kind of freaking out because we were like, you know, gross and it's like nighttime, you know? And so my mom like ran down and luckily like, they were really great and they like comped our whole stay and like gave us a new room. But that was my thorn because it was just really gross. And I'm also kind of like a germaphobe. So that just was like, I'm like, I'm done. I'm never staying in another hotel again, you know? <laughs> so that, Ugh. that was mine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty grody. Yeah. What about you, Justine? <laughs> Hopefully it's better than mine. Well, I will start with my thorn, which is not as gross as yours. But so Monday I'm at, you know, I go to work, I'm at my desk, I'm typing away and my hands are just killing me and I'm typing and I'm just dealing with it. And, um, another reporter walks by and I'm like the person in the newsroom who is always cold. Like I have a space heater and I have a blanket that I wrap myself in and I'm just, <laughs> it's just freezing cold. I've, there's a vent above my desk that I literally have taped newspapers over to keep the air from blowing on me. And so they, uh, this other reporter who sits by me walks by and sees that my hands are really red. And he was like, oh, my God, are you OK? Is that just because you're cold? And no, that's not why my hands are red. My hands were red because I had taken a lesson on Saturday, two days before. And the second I, I had to haul in for a dressage lesson and the second I pulled in, it poured rain, which it hasn't rained here for like, I don't know, weeks. It's like bizarre that it hasn't rained yet because this is our rainy season, but it's been so hot. And so I had pulled all my tack out and was tacking my horse up and then it was pouring rain and I left my gloves in the back of my truck and they got soaked, soaking wet. So I didn't want to ride in them. And so I rode for like literally one hour in the Florida sun and my hands got so freaking sunburned. Like I was wearing, I was wearing my my Equivisor and my sun shirt and I'd put sunscreen on my face and my neck and I forgot my hands and my hands. I just have this, I'm going to Italy on Sunday. Like, I'm leaving to go to a friend's wedding in Tuscany and I'm going to have this ridiculous tan oh. from where my sun shirt ends on my wrist oh, and where my, no. hand, <laughs> my hands were so red that someone noticed it at work. I was like horrified. <laughs> oh, <laughs> They're starting no. to look better, but <laughs> it sounds like though, like if they all accept you as being cold, you can just wear gloves and no one will know except well, for you. That's fine <laughs> for work, but probably not for for the wedding you yeah, know i mean what what are those like satin gloves that used to be a thing right oh yeah <laughs> like all the way up to my right. elbow <laughs> yeah, there you go. so that's my that's my thorn is my sunburned hands from literally riding one hour of a lesson without gloves and then my rose would have to be i'm sure you guys saw this especially you jess because amy from our facebook group called you out about this dream she had And I just, it was just the sweetest post that someone's ever posted in our Facebook group. So it's my rose for the week. So my, it was so sweet. So my shout out goes to Amy who wrote about how, um, she also has MS Ellie and, uh, she realized that she will no longer be able to event because of dealing with MS, but she had this dream about Jess and in her dream, Jess, great was friends with friend. yeah, and they were they were laying on a bed, and Jess was giving her a wonderful he- head massage, and just kind of con- 
consoling her about realizing that it was time to stop eventing. And um, I just wanted to say, Amy, you inspire me. And I hope you kick butt and dressage and keep riding every day that you can. And your posts just made me feel good. So thank you. I, I love our Facebook group that people feel so comfortable sharing personal things. And um, Amy, you're my rose. So. She should have been my rose too. I didn't even I, think about it. I didn't even she, think about it. She should have been all of ours. <laughs> we would like to change to a group rose. <laughs> yes. That is Amy. We've been Facebook messaging like back and forth about like the struggles of like having MS and horses. And really? She's just such a, yes. She's such a sweetheart. And yeah, I've changed my rose. Screw you, pilot. It's Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, pilot. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, Jess. So speaking of you, we have another mailbag that is specifically for you, actually. So uh, we got an email from Tammy, who wants to talk to you about horse insurance. Yes. So she has mortality and medical insurance for her horse, and she's carried the same policy and coverage on one of her horses for about four or five years without no issues, like no major medical issues. But in June of last year, her horse got hurt. She went to the local vet for treatment for a pulled tendon and notified the agency, but never put in a claim. After five months off, the tender looked fine, but the mare was still not 100%. So they took her to the state university for a full lameness exam and another ultrasound of the tendon. There, they discovered that the tendon was fine, but they suggested another therapy. It's the, is it IRAP or is that IRAP, yep. Yep, IRAP therapy in hopes it would give her that bump that she needed to recover. And while they had coverage, harvest from tissue treatments and started that whole process. And then on renewal of her policy for 2019, every leg has an endorsement and exclusion for coverage. That sounds pretty standard, right? But having worked with it for an insurance company, Tammy worked for an insurance company, she understands why they need to make a profit and why they won't. Why you can't insure horses. However, she was surprised that they would exclude every single leg because of the IRAP treatment that was done for this tendon. She believes her policy rate is 3.25% of the value. And so she wants to know, is this just a case of her naivety or does, is this extreme to exclude all four legs? So if you have any insight on that, she was also just curious about big dollar horses, how you navigate the insurance industry. So if you have any tips you can share and what you think about this issue, Jess. So first of all, that does sound really extreme. Like I'm not an insurance agent, so I wouldn't know hundred percent like what was done, but when we've done it in the past, they've, yes, they will do the treatment on the year up to the, what your major medical cost is like 10 to 15,000, whatever your policy is. And, but then they exclude just that limb usually. So that's where it's really hard for me to kind of know exactly about everything. But in our, you know, situations that I've been in, in the past, they've just excluded that leg and it's for a year in then, you know, if you have to get something done again, then you can do another claim and everything else. So I guess my first advice to you is like with everything else, I would maybe shop around for different agencies or different horse insurance. Like we've, um, we've gotten so lucky in the past. We love blue bridal. It's an agency and then they shop around for us. So a lot of times our horses are with different companies because they'll give us a better policy. So Meredith is incredible. She like handles all of our insurance actually. And so she will say, look, this horse is going to be better and it's going to cost you less money if we go through, you know, X company. So it's been in our situation, we've been very lucky with Meredith, but with Blue Bridal in that whole situation, but I would almost just ask around and find out if, you know, do your own research kind of thing and see if that is going to be the case for future stuff. And then for our big horses on the other question, it really depends on the situation with the horse. Some of our owners are 50, 50. And so our horses are generally not insured for true Valley value. We basically do the insurance for major medical or mortality. I mean, not the mortality part, like, yes, we're going to get some money. So we talk it over with the partner on that particular horse. So what they feel comfortable insuring for is kind of what we do, if that makes sense. So it's not, you know, all of our big horses, they're not insured for $150,000. They're not insured for full value. They're insured for, 
honestly, probably 75 or less, depending on the horse. I'd have to really like look into our policy again, but most of ours are not insured for that much money. It's basically to get the major medical if they have to go into colic surgery or a limb situation or whatever else. I think that's kind of basically what it is so that we use the major medical to pay for those kind of treatments. So Jess, I have like a very vague understanding of the IRAP therapy, but I know it's like a treatment for like joint inflammation and like it can be for like osteoarthritis, right? Or something like that. But so I was, I didn't know from Tammy's mailbag if it, if the treatment was just done to that one leg, because if it was, then I would totally suggest that she, you know, have the vet write something saying that it was just to that one leg and write an appeal Um, Because we had a horse that was um, like under colic insurance and then we needed to have surgery, right? And then the year after they wanted to exclude it and we wrote an appeal letter and that seemed to work like for us, you know? But so I'm like, is it clear that it's just like, because if it was done to all four legs and it would make sense, right? That that would turn into a pre-existing condition, you know, and be excluded. But most right? IRAP, you do it just for the one leg that's okay. lame. So gotcha. we've done it for ankles or tendons or whatever else, but you just do it to the tendon that, cause you don't, especially when she's saying tendon, most uh, like we won't inject PRP or IRAP into a tendon unless like there's a hole because you don't want to aggravate the tendon. Even if there's, you know, just a little bit of irritation or you know, some thickening of the tendon, we still won't IRAP or PRP that because our vets generally don't want to go into the tendon if there's not an actual tear or hole, if that makes sense. So they want to, they want to fill in that hole with the IRAP or PRP, depending on what process you're using. And so, and like with my dad's older horse, his ankles, you know, are getting he's 25 and he's a huge horse. And so we pulled IRAP on him so that instead of putting in the steroids into him, we now do IRAP because it's better for that particular horse than that situation. So interesting, but I've never used IRAP on all four legs at one time, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Then that, then that seems really excessive that they would exclude all four legs. Absolutely. So So I I guess, I hope that helps Tammy. (laughs) Yeah. Tammy starts shopping around basically. Yeah. If you have a question for us and you'd like for us to answer it on air, you can post it in the Heels Down Happy Hour Facebook group. You can search for us, which is uh, Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. Or you can send us an email, which is hello at heelsdownmedia.com. And if you want to hear more from us, make sure that you subscribe to the Heels Down Brief at bit.ly slash hdbrief. And if you love our show, if you love the podcast, please leave us a review. You can leave us a review on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We want to thank our partners this week, which are Wall, Smart Pack, and Classic Equine by Richie. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. 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 I know.